Building Men is brought to you by Finish the Race Apparel, ftrapparel.com, the creators of all things Building Men, and by Become Stronger Industries, become-stronger.com, the creators of handmade steel maces, hammers, and other badass equipment. Some dark stories we can share. Everyone's got their story. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's got a story. And it's just a lot of us are reluctant to tell them. And I think as poets, we we tend to tell those stories, speak for the, you know, we're the voice for the voices, if you will. And we just, you know, we put the pain on paper and, and hope that someone can resonate to it, let them know they're not alone. You're listening to the Building Men Podcast with Dennis and Anthony Miralda, brothers on a mission to help you become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. What's up, brother? What's up? All right, Building Man Podcast. Here we go. So this is a, an interesting episode. This Our guest today was referred to me by my daughter, Jules, who is 14 years old. She watched a presentation at Bordentown Regional Middle School where I used to be the assistant principal, right? You actually came to that school. Remember when was I was- that the, the day that it was like, bring your son to work yeah, day bring, and you brought me there? To work <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I brought you to work. I was- You're 14 I, years I younger was, than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how, was I 15 or was I- You were six? 15 or 16. It was right where the eighth grade girls yeah, were trying to get with you. The girls right. were in school and I was like, all right, we can't- Everybody, I know. That was great. I was like a- I mean, I was just new, new meat coming in oh there. They God. never, yeah, I know. It, was, <laughs> it was something. I, and I remember I was like, keep it in your pants. I got a girl's number and she wasn't a student there, but she wasn't a, a student. A teacher who, what the no, fuck? No, no, teacher's number? no, somebody else brought their daughter into work. Do you remember? I do remember. Yeah. Kim Blood was a teacher. Yeah. Shit. Yep. And I got her number. And then Anything the one eighth grade. materialized from that? No, right. no, no, no. No, no, I've, I did something. I don't know. I'm an asshole. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So then I'm going to bring on our guest right now. His name is Michael Peterson. He goes by the chief. When I asked him how to introduce him, he said, you know, he said, whatever you want, we'll, we'll do whatever, but he's a motivational speaker. He is, he is a poet. And when you listen to him, he said it a couple of times, he said, I'm a thug first. I'm a thug first and foremost. <laughs> Chief, what's up, man? How you doing? How's How you doing, it going, man? my man? What's going on? How you guys doing? That's Great. so funny. Doing did well. you see that on my page? We did. We yeah. did. I, yeah. I, I went back. I watched some of the Instagram things that you, you had done before. Definitely motivational. Love, the, love your take. Love your vibe. Everything about it. And I appreciate it, man. We just sat here and we listened to I Wish Life Had Training Wheels. We, okay. we listened to that whole thing. So I, Really? Yeah, dude, it's fucking powerful, yeah, yeah. man. And that's what's up, man. Thank the you. Flow Thank of you. It, it really, it it totally has a different uh, energy to it. Just how you present it, right? It's literally like I'm watching a movie. I was just Yo, that's, everything right there in front of me. That's so cool, man. I, I I felt like it was too long, but I had to tell my story, and I and and I'm I'm so glad. It, it, did it keep you guys entertained? We Absolutely. were we were silent. We were silent in here, just listening to it. Literally, it was like no one was speaking. It was like we were watching something. That's amazing. what's up, yo. I, I really appreciate that, man. So that was uh, I put that together in hopes of uh, getting some uh, for Grammy contention, and uh, it was a spoke. There's a spoken word album of the year Grammy that uh, the nominees were uh, shout out to Jay Ivy, one poet in the category, but it was Jay Ivy, Barack Obama, Don Cheadle, Dave Chappelle. And LeVar Burton, the Sesame Street cat. Like, so my competition was pretty steep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So real quick though, Dennis, was your, was, am I the first person your daughter referred? Is that the a, first is that person my, am my I? daughter referred? She came back from school that day and she goes, dad, 
you got to get the chief on. You got to get the chief on your podcast. So I said, who, who is the chief? She's like, he is a motivational speaker. Everybody loved him. There were people laughing. There were people crying. There were people clapping along. I was like, all right, let's let's do this. I reached out to you that day. You got back in touch with me. So this came full circle from that's kind of cool, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's real cool, man. That's what's up. Tell Julia to say hello. I definitely will. She's gonna love this. She's gonna absolutely <laughs> love this. All right. So you're you're in contention for a Grammy. No, no, no. I was. Oh, you was. I, I, I was, but I didn't get considered. So I didn't get. I was in consideration for one, but I didn't get nominated. The Grammys. Uh, uh Don Cheeto actually won it. That was a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, that's I don't know. I don't. I don't know what he did. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, but I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. So what happens is, in we're we're trying to the poets are now trying to make a push to have that spoken word category only allotted for poets. So what it is is it's from the Grammy consideration. It's literally words spoken. I believe Don Cheeto was the the narrator for an audio book, and with that, he was he was uh, right. nominated and and won for yeah. Who was the host of the Grammys this year? This year, who did the Grammys this year? Trevor Noah, I believe. Mm. Would you go Trevor and smack him in the face? Not a chance <laughs> in the world. I don't, we, we, we can get in there. So we um with that, since we talked about that on my podcast, by the way. And um and uh it ultimately comes down to we felt like regardless of what the reasons were the man needed to seek some therapy. There's something going on that we don't know about that would cause him to do some shit like that. So hell yes. Yeah. I hell mean, yes. I don't, I don't slap a few people in my day, but <laughs> I don't There's know if something that's the... to a slap too. I mean, you get punched in the face, right? It's, you get, like it's... you get hit in the face. It's something, but the slap, the sting that comes along with it, it's a very emasculated. <laughs> it's thing. very, it's very, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. You better off just knocking me out. You slap me in front of my lady. We got we got to yeah. fight every time I see you. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's it. Every time I see you, a lot you of ground fight. to make up after that. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so your podcast is that um, all black men need therapy. Is that the name? All of black men need therapy. Yes. That's so what it, that's what it is. For us, we're sitting here as as white men. Are we? We do we need therapy as well? Are we? Are as a black man, you just can't speak to us needing therapy. So. Based on what society may believe, it is it is presumed that white men may go to therapy more often than black men. It's shunned it's shunned upon in 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 our culture for some reason. You know, you're not tough. You're you're weak. You're soft when you go to therapy. So we wanted to just open the forum for it and encourage more men to consider therapy because it's 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 very much so real. And some things that we deem as normal, and that's men in general, people yeah. in general, that we deem as normal may be completely traumatizing to other people. Completely traumatizing and we don't and again growing up in certain certain environments we're like yeah this is everybody's like this but no that's that's not true but because we normalize it doesn't mean it's you know it's it's normal for society so we just you know with the things we deal with we want to encourage men to just go talk to somebody dig deep into your past and try to help yourself heal because a lot of the ways that we conduct ourselves now are attributed to some of the things we experienced from from childhood so you're absolutely right there it's it's interesting too we're we're socialized to think it's not okay for men to show their feelings, to be vulnerable, to cry, to, to lean into other men in that way. But it actually takes more courage. It takes, you need to be stronger to deal with that shit. It's easy to stuff that shit down. Right. Oh, for, for sure, man. And I think that I've come into a place where, I mean, you guys listen to the, uh, I wish life had training wheels and it's a story of, of my life and regarding what happened to my brother. My, uh, my younger brother was murdered. Uh, what is it? 13 years ago now feels like yesterday. But um, with that situation, I, I fell into this crazy depression. 
And at the time, I didn't recognize it as depression. I just thought, you know, it's just normal shit you go through when you lose somebody. You're supposed to be sad. You're supposed to feel a certain way. But it lasted like two and a half years. I just, and again, I didn't, I had never been there before, so I didn't really know how to handle it. So the way I did it, I, I drove away. I, I want to I say I ended up in New Jersey. I drove, I just got on the highway and drove. And was just driving. And then just got off an exit. It was a hotel, maybe like a half mile off the exit. I parked there, turned my phone off and just wrote. And spent the weekend there and just wrote. Took some naps, got up and started writing. And like 48 pages later, I got this story that I broke down and, you know, made some edits to and then just turned it into a stage play. So I, and, and with that experience, I say the vulnerability part was telling that story. And then it's not often you see a 6'1", 250 pound black man on stage in tears. You know what I'm saying? So to be able to represent that meant something to me. And, and I actually shared a snippet of it with, with your daughter and, and, her, and her classmates that day. And I think that's what really kind of reeled them in. They get, to, they get that real life experience. A lot of what I write about, a lot of what I write about is, is relatively emotionally connected, regardless of what the emotion is. If I've, if I've pulled you in emotionally, it's a win. So if I, you know, we go on a story right now and I have you laughing hysterically, you leave and go, Chief was so funny. Now people want to find out what's so funny about Chief. You leave and go, Chief had me crying. Damn, what, what, what was so sad about? You know, so as long as I've connected with some emotion, it's a win for me. Good point too. When you could connect an emotion to a learning experience, they might not, might not know exactly what you said to, to make them laugh, to make them cry, to make them think, but they know that they did. Right. They know that they were connected right. to you via that emotion. I'll never forget that experience. You go back, talk to my daughter in 20 years. She'll remember chief being up on stage, talking to her about that. And, and it was the, what's the, it's like a quote was, people will forget what you say, forget what you did, but never forget how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my, you know answer, I believe, said that. Hey, okay. Right. Okay. Hey, I can't remember the exact quote, but something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, and it's just, for me, it's just, it's just writing, man. Like I got, I got friends who can write a poem about this laptop and it'd be one of the most creative and interesting things you've ever heard in your life. But for me, it's like, nah, it doesn't work for me because I'm not connected. So everything I write about has come from like a relatively personal or something I've experienced via myself or someone else. So everything is about just life. So take us back into into your childhood was this something that you were always interested in was writing the way that you would express yourself or did was that something that came across later on in your life it definitely developed later on in life but i remember i told this story uh, to jules and the crew um my first time i don't want to say i don't think i recognize it but my first time writing as like a therapeutic measure i was getting on a city bus one day and my foot missed one of the steps and my leg, like I like kicked the, the, the dress of a woman who was behind me. And she was like, damn N words. And I remember like, I was like 15. I had long, don't judge me. I had long dreads, you know what I'm saying? I'm bald now, but like my hair was long, you know what I'm saying? So I kind of maybe, I might've fit the part, but I was, I was raised to at least to be respectful. I mean, I got in my knucklehead trouble, but I was respectful. And I remember sitting on the bus, like, yo, this lady didn't give me a chance to apologize. Didn't know nothing about me. And I, and I had missed my, I was like, I was one of them. I'm still the type of when I get angry, I like cry. Like I'm the angry crier. Like I, you know, I'm not lashing out, but I'm just sitting there, fist clenched, and I'm just crying. And I missed my stop. And the next stop was at one of my homies by one of my homies' house. I went to his crib, and he had a coaster. And on the coaster, it said, "There's no such thing as strangers, just friends you haven't met." And I kept reading that shit, and I was like, it just that that was relative to the relationship, to the situation I just went through. So. I wrote my first little poem and I titled it, There's No Such Thing as Strangers, Just Friends You Haven't Met. And I used that like for an English class project the next day or whatever. And that's kind of how I think it started. And then going through college and going through the bitter breakup blues, you know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I started to write it down. And then um, 
I stumbled across an open mic one day and I, I remember being like, wow, this is kind of cool. I got stuff I could read. So I went back the next week. I read a sad poem. And at the end of that night, it was a breakup poem or whatever. End of that night, dude walked up to me. I was 18 years old. He said, he said, I'm 55 years old. And you said something I've been trying to say my entire life. Wow. And after that, I'm like, wow, if my, if my pain, you know, my sorrows can, can help somebody inspire somebody, then I must be, you know, I'm doing something. So I went back every week and I read another sad ass poem. And like, after like three weeks, the dude was like, yo, you don't have anything positive going on in your life. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. So then that's when it kind of shifted and morphed into like, you know, just be changing my writing and developing more writing skills or whatever. And then it just kind of like took off, man. You go to one spot, people like, oh, that was nice. Could you come read at my place? Oh, could you come read at my place? Hey, I got 50 bucks for you. Hey, I got a hundred bucks for you. Hey, I got 500 bucks for you. Hey, we have a $3,000 budget. Like it just, and it just kind of just took off, man. Literally just took off. I've been all literally like international via some poetry. Like how cool is that? And I love that this is something that you identified from a negative situation that you turned around and you made it into a positive situation. One of the things that you talk about is you are a product of pain. Mm -hmm. It is something that you have used that pain in your life that it's helped to propel you to do some really cool things and inspire other people. When did you first realize that? Or was that a saying that you, you knew your whole life that it was just that that was who you were? Is that something that an epiphany that you had recently that all this pain that you have gone through has helped you has helped propel you? I think typically for the average spoken word artist, I would say a lot of us, a lot of our writing derives from some sort of pain and um, we put it on page. And again, we just learned to morph to morph our creativity around it. And um I can't necessarily say that. I think that honestly, the product of pain was a, was a writing prompt on Instagram. Like when, when COVID happened, the poets would create a different challenge and other poets would write the same type of poem, just, you know, using the title. I think product of pain was one of the challenges. And I just kind of like, I thought it was, it was a cool concept because we all come from, you know, we all have some dark stories we could share. Everyone's got their story. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Everyone's got a story. And it's just a lot of us are reluctant to tell them. And I think as poets, we we tend to tell those stories, speak for the, you know, we're the voice for the voices, if you will. And we just, you know, we put the pain on paper and, and hope that someone can resonate to it and let them know they're not alone. Because oftentimes, especially as men, we feel like we go through some of this shit by ourselves and then no one else knows what we're going through. But in actuality, we, we, we do. We just don't talk about it. And that's the biggest thing I was just going to say. Like you're you're doing a disservice by almost not speaking your you know, things that you've been through and you're almost this wounded healer, right? This person's uh, using his past experiences to then help other people going through this, but they don't know that other people are like them because no one speaks about it. Because as men, we go in and we, we hold it all in, never expressing. So we assume we're alone in these situations. Absolutely. So you're kind of giving that to them, which is awesome. I'm trying to, we, we just, we have a, we have this innate ability to uh, compartmentalize. You know what I mean? We'll go through a situation, throw it in a little pocket, throw it in the back of the brain, go to another one, put it in a pocket, throw it in the back. And then all of a sudden one day, all them shits connect. And that's when, you know, when we explode and some bad shit happens. So I'm just trying to, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate now of getting it out while, while we can and while we're aware of it, recognizing these, these tough situations and talking about them and trying to, you know, help us heal. We had a guy on a podcast over, it was last summer. His name is Brandon Robinson. And he wrote a book called When Words Won't Form, My Pen Speaks. And Brandon grew up in Detroit, Michigan. And he grew up in the late 80s, early 90s. And he was very, he was a very empathic human being, very emotional, very artistic. But he felt like he could not express himself because he was afraid of what kids that he was hanging around with would think of him. So he stuffed everything down for a long period of time. And then finally it came out when he wrote a book and he wrote a book and 
poetry was a part of it. I'll, I would love to connect the two of you together because there's, there's without a doubt some synergy there. So that's dope. I just wrote his name down in the books. I'm definitely going to get it. We hang up when we get off the podcast. I'm going to go buy it for awesome. sure. And with him, he, he felt like that was a part of him that was stifled. So for you, you mentioned eight, when you were 18 years old, you get up on stage, you start reading poetry. All of a sudden this comes out. Do you feel that you, you were unable to express yourself because of the, the environment that you grew up in? Were you afraid to talk about, like, were you afraid to come out of your shell and be like, this is who I am, or it just never came up for you? So it's a, it, that's a double-edged sword, bro, because, I, I mean, as adolescents, we don't, we feel like we're confident. We walk around like, I mean, in high school, I was the, you know, the jock. I was the athlete. I played all sports, the captain of all the teams, you know, whatever, whatever. So I had a little bit of clout or whatever. So that's what kind of gave me this false confidence. But I, when I did that poem for English class, I remember like people laughing at me. So, you know, like in, in to this day, my boys like, what you going to do, write a poem about it? You know, you just, you just tough macho football stud throwing up all this weight, but you writing poems in the corner. You know what I'm saying? So, so you, I was constantly, constantly teased about it. And I tell when I do my performances, sometime I go to different places and I talk to these kids. I'm like, yeah, those same people now pay to come see me perform. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's it was something I I just I use as therapy, and I and I developed I developed a passion for it, and it just kind of took off. I honestly didn't know, didn't plan for it to be like this, but it's something like I'm I'm like this close to quitting my job and just doing it full time. I just signed with a National Speakers Association, so. I got some, got some things in the works, but it, it's it's just something I've always been passionate about, and just kind of just just found my way in it. Uh, yeah. Why I don't I don't remember who told me this or somebody said it or where I heard it from, but a while ago it was like find something you're passionate about, become great at it, and get people to pay you for it. And I, so that's kind of that's kind of what I did. I stuck to it, and again, I got I to this day my fellows they'll still laugh at me like, "What you gonna write a poem about it?" I actually, I am, and you're gonna yeah. come pay to listen to it. Yeah, so exactly. you know what I'm saying? So you're damn right, I am. Right, right. So and yeah, I'm gonna, so I'm, I'm gonna fucking beat Don Cheadle at it next year. Yeah, <laughs> that, I'm going. I'm going at it again. I'm putting. I'm putting another one together this year. I'm, I stole the uh, the uh, old Shakespeare title. It's gonna the album's gonna be called "Heavy Is the Head That Wears the Crown." Oh, that's good. So. I'm, I'm actually putting it together now, so it's gonna be some. It's gonna be cool. It's, I think it's gonna be as uh, as storyline as I wish life had training wheels, but, but we'll see. I haven't really mapped it out just yet, but I got a couple poems that I want to use, and then we'll figure out the storyline in between. So before we even go, let me get to you guys. What did you guys think? Did you guys, I mean, I wish life had training wheels. Would you recommend to somebody? Would you? Like, Absolutely, one hundred percent. I'll from my perspective, and I want to ask you several questions about it. What it was it was an homage to your mother. You were paying tribute to your mom and, and how you were raised a hundred percent. And the, was that her, her voice in the beginning, when she was yelling at you. Was that your mom? That, no, that was actually my, my, which is crazy. That was my aunt who is uh, my mother's sister. But in this case, my aunt is, I think she is shit. She's like 12 years younger than me. Papa okay. was a rolling stone for real. You know what I'm saying? So, right. um, so she went to the uh, studio with me and she just, she just plugged that in real quick. So that was my aunt in there. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you had a recording of your mom or something like that, but no, no, no. it is, you're, you're paying tribute to your mom and how she was raising you and your brothers as a single mom, filling mm -hmm. the role of a mother and a father. And even just you being able to say the F word during it, um, was, a, was a theme that would cycle back around again. There were so many little lessons that you were teaching to to peanut to duck so it was julian was peanut his nickname was yep. peanut and it was damon and his nickname was was duck when he was yep. so you're, you're teaching yep. all these lessons and i'll ask you a couple of questions about him but my initial reaction was you were building men you were in the process of yeah. building men you know, it, for other people 
That's crazy. Cause now that you, you, you put it like that, I was absolutely doing my best to try to build some men for sure. While building myself at the same time. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Good correlation. And what I, we see talk, what I see what you did there. <laughs> we talk about all the time. Cause we have a lot of men that come on who didn't have a father figure in their life. And, uh, we asked them what they learned from their mother. And that's a lot. That's what your whole thing was based off. Of. I mean, it was amazing to hear that. And you brought it all together. And again, use your words to express it in ways that I thought was the most clear that I've ever heard it, you know, and it was just like, it was very easy to just flow with what you were saying. And like, I was watching a play, like I was watching it go on throughout as we're listening to it. And it was so it started. So that's, that's good. You mentioned that. So it's, it is a stage play. I wrote it and then I shopped, I workshopped it at a couple of theaters. They all told me it wouldn't work on stage. So I rented my own theater and put it up in 37 shows, 37 standing ovations and sold out crowds later. You know what I'm saying? So don't let these people tell you your shit, your shit ain't good enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just believe in yourself and do what you do. But yeah, so it is a stage play. So I think my next step is I'm going to, it was so bad. I'm just thinking about it. it was so bad. Like it was me in three chairs on stage and it was just, it's so cheesy, but I mean, I think now I want to get like an elaborate backdrop and some a good staging and uh, give it one final live recording and maybe just put it out there for the people to see instead of just hear. So I think we'll do that. As a matter of fact, when I do that, I'm going to send you guys some invites. Bring, you know, bring your loved ones and come check it out. Building men of character, integrity, strength, compassion, and empathy through transformational mentoring, coaching, and motivational speaking is our mission here at Building Men. To work with me as a one-on-one -on -one life coach, you can find information in the show notes or you can visit our website at buildingmen.io where you can book a free 30-minute discovery call to help you become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Now, back to the show. Absolutely. We would invite only. To, we would be honored to see it. And yep. here's the thing, Chief. You have to go through that shit version of whatever it is first. Not that I'm uh, equating this to a shit version, but whatever it is, you get good at it by the reps. You get good at it by yeah, 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 doing yeah. it again and again and again, critiquing yourself, hearing yourself in any in any aspect of life. And and that's the cool thing. And it's being a part of this journey, seeing it like where it, it started from with you writing profusely over the course of several days to up on stage to now it is going to turn into something even bigger. It's, it's a really remarkable journey that you've gone on there. One I thing appreciate that, man. Before, oh, absolutely, man. We're, we're, we're fans of you. I'm so happy. <laughs> you to you. Thank you, man. You talk about being in high school and being confident and, you know, being the one who was out there talking with the poetry. One of the, the life lessons that you told to peanut was the thin line between confidence and cockiness that you would walk that thin line but you said you're right on the edge all the time you're, right 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 you're confident but you're right on right on the edge of cockiness and i i like that because to to be successful you have to have a little bit of that you know throw your shoulders back put your head up in the air walk with with that strut mm -hmm. with confidence but once you go over to the other side then you're a fucking douchebag right <laughs> so, yeah for sure line. For sure. I mean, there's don't get it wrong. There's some people who probably will label me a douchebag, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? Those people. So I saw something the other day. I can't remember where I saw from. I'm big, I'm big on like taking these memes and storing them in my bank, but it says something like, I'm only arrogant when my confidence meets your insecurity. And I was like, ooh, that's nice. Right, right, right. But I think ultimately, man, like you, there is a thing like we have to like again, confidence is not something that necessarily we're necessarily taught. We just we kind of figure out one day by, you know 
you know, getting, getting as men, getting the girls is what kind of gives, you know, helps us develop this confidence or winning the big game or making a big shot, like stuff like that. So I've, I've been adamant about just exemplifying confidence. Like you can tell by the way, when I walk in a room, you like, it's just something about the way I walk that says, okay, this, this brother's kind of, I walked in the gym one day. I bullshit you not. I walked in the gym one day to watch a basketball game and the, some lady walked up and said, are you a basketball coach? I'm like, yeah, I think I'd like you to coach my son. Didn't know anything about me. <laughs> Just by just how I walked into the gym, and I was like, "Wow, this is kind of this is kind of cool," you know what I mean? But so it's just it, confidence is it's, it's it's as much as a state of mind. It's 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 just it becomes a a lifestyle. You just you just be confident, understanding that you know, the the cliche you just you know I don't fail, I learn type that type of deal. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I don't know, I can't exactly tell you where it came from. I just know that I'm a believer in 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 myself and in in my capabilities. So what what's some of the that. things you tell? Let's say just young men specifically when they're lacking that confidence or when they don't, for example, like someone who doesn't, doesn't have a father figure in their life or a strong father, father figure, someone to, you know, look up to, and they're just constantly searching for that validation outside of themselves. What would you tell them that could be like, all right, this is a place to start to help build up your confidence. I think you have to, again, I'm, I'm very mean and cliche with it in my head, but like you have to go with the, you've survived hundred percent of your toughest challenges. The fact that we're able to sit here and have this conversation, I mean, whatever you went through, no matter how hard it was, you're here, you've made it. So that's something that, that's something to tell you right now. You are resilient. You, you have that already in you because you've made it thus far. Yeah. It still might be hard, but everybody goes through it. So I think, I think getting them to understand that regardless of what's happened, they're still present and still have an opportunity to do and be better. And I'm big on, on, on goal setting. And in the process of goal setting, it's long-term goals and short-term goals. And just once you accomplish these little things in between, it just, it helps to build that confidence. Like I set short-term goals like every three to six months on some, and it's like some dumb stuff. Like recent, my last three goals, ready? My last three goals were drive a taco truck. One of the big ones we used to play when we was kids, drive a taco truck, become a professional bingo caller and get a, a, a job doing late night love radio. Those are my last three, three things. Did you, I bet you didn't know you needed a license to call bingo. I did not know that. <laughs> bet did you didn't know did that. Did you achieve that goal? All three of them. Absolutely. <laughs> Climbed the ladder and drove the taco truck. I called bingo on Sundays at my grandma's bingo, which is the coolest shit on earth. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, what was the last one? The radio DJ. I did, I did the uh, late night love DJ for like almost like a year. All right. So I have two quick questions. And can you first give me, give me your best. Like whatever the the call is, and you know fifty seven <laughs> that, and then what's going to be the bingo? So like, so pull out the pull letter it. and the number right now. Give it to us. So here's here's the thing. I used to uh, <laughs> they used to kind of get mad at me every now and then because I would I would I would like you know the the, the old the elderly are serious about their shit. When bingo yeah. happens, it's it's not a game. There's, oh, it's no. real it's serious. So that's my mom. Is, my mom is one of those. So I would, I would sometimes, uh, <laughs> when I would call B4, I would pull out and be like, B4, before I let go. And I would say, <laughs> and they, they used, and every, like, after a while, they would start to like sing it with me. So, which was kind of cool. And then when I would call an I sometime, like, I would use the Eddie, remember, you seen uh, the Golden Child? I used to pull the I, like, oh. I. 
want the knife and they would be like come on call so they would be kind of like they would they would be upset but i would have i would have fun with it but yeah i got a little video of me i'm gonna tag you in the dentist in my oh, video yeah. of me of me calling bingo it's pretty cool it was a good it was a good time for sure you gotta do a little oh 69 <laughs> and then when i when you do that they ring the bell they go ding, 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 ding. there's people that I, every time you call 69 they ring the bell Oh, no, for oh real. 69 God. and 66. That's serious. That's serious. <laughs> love that. Absolutely love yeah. that. All right. So then the, the other one was so the late night DJ. You're you're playing baby making music, I'm sure, right? That's baby make all uh, I'm a big R. I love people who can sing, man. So I've always been, I've always been, I always gravitate towards RB music. So I just I listen to like people singing all day long. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love my hip hop and all that. And I'm very eclectic. I listen to all kind of stuff. Like I just came back from Nashville a little while ago. Like went to, you know, what I mean, went to the, the, the country bars and had a good old time. But um I've I've always appreciated people who could sing. So I just I was like, I want to do that. I want to be on the late night love channel. And that's what I, you know, and I worked at uh, Trinity College for a while here in Connecticut. All right. So we're coming off a commercial break. You got whatever song ready to go. You got it queued up. Lead us into whoever. We're going with Barry White, Luther Vandross. For nah, so my, my favorite was um I can't even remember the call letters now. I think you were tuning in WRAT, WTRC. This is Chief speaking. We're about to play the next slow jam for you all. Please give me a call at 860-225. Send in your requests up now. Kerry Hilson, slow dance. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's so good. Like now that I now that I hear your voice, that's all I'm thinking about right now. I'm thinking of taking my pants off and go. I know. Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah, you know, you gotta lean in and get the bass on them. Oh, you know. I was gonna say you got that bassy voice. Yeah, yeah. you gotta lean into them. Yeah. Back to I wish life had training wheels because again, it's you talking to it's a, it's a tribute to your your mother, how you were raised. It's giving these these life lessons normalizing the pain that you were going through and it is it's funny at times it's really emotional at times you break down at certain times you laugh at certain times during this this hour and what 17 minutes or whatever it is during this course you, you definitely give little piece of advice the, the first one that comes up or the second one that comes up was you talking to peanut about getting women like talking mm -hmm. about how to treat a woman that was one piece of advice and you go through and it's there's music in the background and you are spitting out lines there and it's it's really cool i, I was jotting notes i couldn't keep up with everything you were saying can you pull out do you, did you memorize it to where you can pull out a couple couple lines and one of the pieces of advice that you gave to peanut and duff oh, i haven't done that poem in such a long time though was that i think that's a thin line poem yeah it's yeah, thin yeah. line poem yeah um oh man i must i massage uh hands feet and neck i can't remember it was i know there was a uh, put the towel in the dryer so it was warm on your back like that's a, that was a good one my brother yeah. peanut peanut taught me that like you, you ladies taking a shower you go throw the towel in the dryer get it nice and warm so when she come out she's good to go that was a gem that's a gem you guys should guys should adopt that into them but it was just a i'm gonna uh, write that down right now <laughs> put the towel in the dryer put the towel in the dryer it definitely it definitely makes a difference um uh, I can't even remember, dude. It's been it, it's been so long since I've done that. It, it got so it got to the point where I kind of like I had to compartmentalize that for a while because it was like literally draining. Yeah, like it's this it, is coming. I'm not I'm not really I'm and I'm acting in a sense, but I'm giving my life story. So when I talk about the the situation with my brother, like I'm, I'm reliving these emotions. So when I'm crying, these are like genuine. Like I'm coming from from real, which is why in the in the audio version you don't hear it but in the video in the in the play version after i give that um after i'm doing the crying and give the uh pray for us poem ashes to ashes dust to dust i um 
I have like a six minute intermission. My brother Duck actually dances. He does like does a dance to like some song, a real sad, you know, real like choreographed type dance to the song while I go back and kind of collect myself. Like there's no way I can give this story and jump right back into, you know, the go to the happy go lucky jokes and stuff. Like I had to take a minute and process it after every night. It was just completely, completely emotionally. I'm spent. Everybody wants like, can we go out and get, have a drink? Blah, blah blah. I'm like, look, man, I gotta go lay down. Like, I'm yeah. just, I'm just done because you know, I'm emotionally and physically drained from just being, you know, acting and running around on stage and trying to get people to laugh and then pull them in emotionally and get them to cry with me. And then, by the, like I said, by the time it's done, dude, I have, I have nothing left, nothing. So, it's, it's, I needed to, I stopped doing the play because it, it was just. It, like people were want, they were wanting the people were calling for the encore. So I was giving it to them. And then after a while, I was like, yo, I like, I, I can't, I need a break. Cause I mean, three shows a weekend and it was like, it's just rough. It's, it's really rough. And granted, it feels great afterwards. The people applaud and the, the compliments you get and just people pull so many different things from it. Like one this one, this one woman emailed me on Instagram and she was just like talking about how, when I was doing the, f- f- father poem and he was like it just makes me want to build a better connection with my son because he doesn't have that and like so it was it was crazy i'm like that wasn't my message but the fact that she pulled that was kind of cool you know what i'm saying so people pull whatever they pull from it so it's it's good to get to get those words out and have people feel inspired and pull what they pull from it but it it, it was it was taxing on me man it did a number on me for a while here's a there's a thing too chief is the that idea of the ripple effect that, that you've had so you had you had the the opportunity to talk and this woman listened to you and it's going to improve the relationship that she has with her son. So you might not have gone into it with this idea. I'm going to go in for, for this reason, but it did have an impact. So the fact that you were in my daughter's school, it had such an impact on her. She said, dad, you got to talk to this guy. And now you're talking on this podcast and we're going to reach, you know, thousands of people from this podcast. And that message will get out to a larger number. So that the, the stone that you threw into the water is going to have an enormous ripple effect because they'll listen to it and they'll share it with someone else who will share it with someone else to be able to normalize that feeling of emotion, feeling of pain, feeling of leaning into that shit as well. I don't know, Dennis, you might be, I mean, you've obviously the first parent who invited me on a podcast, but like not many parents have reached out. So it's, it's, it's really cool to like, and I got, it's crazy from that experience. I got several emails and, and, and DMS and just about, you know, thank you for coming to my school. My daughter, and my kid really, really liked you. And I think that's just so dope. Like I talk to my kids now, but they're young. My kid, my, my oldest is 11, just turned 11. So it's just, how was your day in school? Whatever. And there's no really like this person came to my school. So I'm wait, I would love to be, like be at home and her come home and say, this person came to my school and inspired me, shook me up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I think that's, I think that's, 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 that's really dope and humbling as hell, man. Like extremely humbling. Like it just feels, it feels good to have that much of an impact. Cause you know, as kids think about it, how many times did you go home and tell your mom that you were, somebody came to your school and like shook you up a little bit and inspired you. It didn't happen. Did it? Not for me. And that, and I, I look at it and I'm like, not only do we want to use this to get your voice out there, but to inspire other people to use their voice, right? right? To be able to help other people. Again, like that's the biggest thing out of this is like how powerful it is to be able to put your words down, express how you're feeling, express your experiences, because maybe that could help some other men out there who are going through the same stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Shout out to, uh, and it's crazy you say that because Bordentown actually tagged me in a tweet recently from one of their kids reciting a poem. It was April's National Poetry Month. So they, one of the kids recited a poem and they tagged me. I'm like, that's so, that's so dope. And then like, I was the inspiration behind this and now there's a whole movement at the school. That's really cool. You know, shout out to Bordentown Regional Middle School. Hey, P.S. Side note, shameless plug. 
if you need a, a motivational speaker, guest speaker for your kids, your students, holler at me, chiefpoet at gmail.com. <laughs> Absolutely. And here's the other thing, too. I love that you said that, Anthony and Chief, because there's a there's a kid in seventh grade who wants to be able to express himself, but it it might not be normalized for him to to write poetry or to share his emotion in a specific way. You're this big black dude that's up on stage like, I'm a fucking badass. I'll walk into this room with my shoulders back and I'm going to recite some poetry for you. And there's right. nothing fucking wrong with that. And it's fucking amazing, right? It's, it's pretty cool, man. So I got this little thing I do in the beginning of most of my sessions that kind of like pulls, it pulls the people and I get them going. But I can't tell you right now because it's going gonna, it's gonna to yeah. give it away and then I can't right. use it again. But it's pretty cool. And it like pulls the kids, it really pulls the kids in and have them going back and forth real quick. And then I just dropped the bomb on him. So I've, now I've, I've pulled him in emotion. I got him. I got him. I got him invested. Give him a poem. And then we, we go from there. Actually, Border Town was different because I didn't even get a chance to go through my whole, you know, I got, a, you know, an hour worth of stuff to give him. But I did uh, the opening, a poem. And they asked questions for like an hour. They just continue to ask questions. They wanted to know about poetry in my life. And it was, it was, it was real cool. It was, it was, it was a great way to engage by giving them what they specifically wanted. So I was like, I'm not, I'm going to divert my agenda and tap and dive into kids because this is what they're looking for. And it was, it was awesome. It was really, really cool. Absolutely. And so with that, working with schools right now, do you notice any commonalities with things that kids in middle school are going through as far as the questions <laughs> that they're asking you? Are they, is there something specific that they're like, you hear this on a, on a regular basis. Uh, I'm glad you, you took it in that direction. I must say, yeah, the commonalities, they're <laughs> shitheads, but, but, but no, it's a lot of, there's, I mean, candidly speaking out just to, before I get to that question, there's a lot of bad parenting going on, man. And, and, and it's, it's frustrating. Like there's been cases where I work as a Dean of students in a, in a high school. So this poetry gig is my, like my secondary profession, which is, again, it's going to be close to becoming my only profession, but the hardest part of my job is dealing with these parents and it's, and it's bad. It's like, it's really, 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 really bad. But uh, to, to your, to your point, give me your question so I can make sure I, I get it right. So I don't want to. Uh, you, you have mentioned that in Bordentown, that the kids ask questions for an hour. Mm-hmm. You, do, you do your performance and you, you leave space for the kids to, this is, this is a question I have. This is something that I'm going through. Have you noticed any themes or any commonalities with the questions that the kids ask you things that they're going through? A lot of them, a lot of them tap into a question I get often is, was I judged? Or like, what did my, what did my peers say about it? I think a lot of them aspire to write or want to write or want to share a story and are worried about being judged. We have this whole, that same confidence conversation because at that age, at middle school, especially in middle school, we're looking to fit in. We don't, you know, we don't want to be left out. We want to, we want to be with the in crowd or have our certain, you know, certain peer groups where we can, where we can gel and mesh with. And oftentimes that soul, that soul individual is the one who's teased and laughed at. But if you give them something to, you know, if you, you help, them build that confidence and it, it changes the world so i think the commonality is how was i able to do this while being able to fit in and i just said i i wasn't you know i didn't i got teased about this but i stood confident in who i was and did what i was passionate about and that's the kind of the, the message the message i deliver like I, I don't know where that confidence came from back then but i knew that writing helped me i wasn't really about sharing again i shared two poems in, in, in high school and they were for english class and then I didn't really get into it into college, but like I knew that getting that up when that when I wrote after that bus incident, when I wrote, I wrote it down, it felt good to just get it out. 
So I think it was, it's more about just allowing the kids to ask those questions and help mold or attempt to mold their confidence around being comfortable in whatever it is they do. You know I mean? Some, some kids don't, I, I tell them to find their poem. It doesn't necessarily have to be poetry. We all have something that helps us alleviate some stress. So find your poem, whatever it is for you. If it's podcasting, writing, dancing, journaling, uh, skateboarding, whatever the case may be, like find yours and dive into it. Regardless of what people say, if it works for you, do what you do. I appreciate that. And your, your point about parents uh, resonates with me. I was a middle school principal for many years. So I, I totally understand that if I'm giving a piece of two, a piece or two of advice to parents right now, it would be one, let your kids fail, let your kids understand that there, there are going to be times in their life that they're not successful. They'll learn more about themselves through the process of overcoming whatever that failure was, they'll learn about resiliency, about perseverance. The second thing is it's not about disciplining your children. It's about teaching them what it is to be self-disciplined. I heard that Matt Baudreau, we had on the podcast a while back, talks about that. It's not about what you say. It's about your kids seeing you be self-disciplined as well. So if you want to teach your kids self-discipline, you need to expose them to you being a self-disciplined human being. You mentioned parents drive you crazy right now. What's a piece of advice you'd give to a parent who's listening? <laughs> stop don't enabling call my office. Call, stop don't no nah, don't stop enabling your kids man hold them accountable mm-hmm. way too many kids are like they they're just not they're not being held accountable if i call so in one of my poems i say uh teacher cuss student cusses out teacher teacher tells parent parent blames teacher student never learns so where's the lesson in that and that's the reality of it. Like you call home and say, your son did this in school. Well, what's the teacher do? Okay. The teacher may have done something, but I'm calling you about your son or your son got into a fight. What well, did the other kid get suspended? I'm calling you about your son. I don't care about the other kid. I care about your son, which is why I'm on the phone with you right now. And that's, and, and that's the dilemma we have. They're, they're, not, they're, they're too concerned about issues outside of their own children. And it's super frustrating. Super frustrating. Well, you just said I had that conversation no less than 100 times. <laughs> school principal. Right. Oh, I just, right. I just had some PTSD right now. <laughs> Shout out to all the educators, man. Yeah. For real. Yeah, yeah. Brother, any final questions for the chief? Yeah. So one final question I'd like to ask everyone is if there's one piece of advice you could give some of the men listening right now that they could start right now after they're done with this podcast, what would it be? Find a young man and be a role model. Change your life to lead by example so that they can grow. Young men don't have enough mentors and role models. doesn't matter what color, where they come from. There's no one teaching us how to be quote unquote, a man. And it's, and it's super, it's super disappointing. One of the, I, I latched on to my high school basketball coach, older white dude, probably the closest thing I know to a dad right now. And I was just looking, just, just looking for that positive male influence. You know what I'm saying? And it was, I think it was real subconscious how it happened. But now looking, looking back at it, like he had all the things you, you would want, you know, the wife, the kids, the beautiful house, you know, the good career, all that good stuff. So find a young man and help him be great. It's real simple. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Powerful. All right, Chief, where could the audience find you? Where can we get in touch with you? I am on all social media outlets at Chief the Poet, C-H-I-E-F-T-H-E-P-O-E-T, ChiefThePoet.com, um, ChiefThePoet at gmail.com. Hit me up. Um, I'm open to talk to, to people just in general. Like we have podcasts, All Black Men Need Therapy. Tap into that. Learn some, learn something. It doesn't necessarily, I mean, it's, 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 
titled All Black Men Need Therapy. Believe it or not, a lot of our listeners are women, which is really, really odd. A lot of the listeners are women. They email us all the time asking us to break down certain topics and whatnot. So tap into that and, uh, you know, just just be a lead by, by example. You know, we, we're going to make our mistakes, but when you do own them and, and teach the kids, you know, that, that you've owned it. And so they don't make that same mistake. But when they do own those mistakes and, and forward. Building Men audience, find us at building.men on Instagram, buildingmencooch at gmail.com is our email address. Buildingmen.io is our website. We have an event coming up May 8th. It's a free event called the Tribe of Brothers. It'll be a paid event. Uh, twice a month starting May 22nd, where we will do two Zoom meetings a month for young men ages 15 through 24-ish, high school and college. Um, and we'll have mentors on and we'll be helping young men go through all the shit that's difficult that young men go through. So check us out on our website. Thanks. I want to be down. Oh, dude, absolutely. We would love to have you on 100%. Uh, we uh, let, let's absolutely love, uh, we, I'll, I'll send you the information. We would love that. I want to be down. That's what's up for sure. Please support our, our sponsors, Finish the Race Apparel for all things building men and Become Stronger Industries for uh, handmade steel maces, hammers, other badass equipment. Chief Michael Peterson, dude, this was absolutely tremendous. Thank you so much, my man. Go one step further than you thought you can go. We'll see you next time on Building Men. <laughs>